So today, we will be continuing our series um, called Perspectives. And this month, we've invited some really special guests to help me preach each week. And so in just a minute, I'm going to tell you about these awesome ladies this morning. Um, But the reason is because God uses our perspectives to build our faith and the faith of those around us. Um, Our perspectives can really change the way we look at things. I heard a joke once uh, that described a man who found out it was his time to go to heaven. And he asked the Lord, uh, can I just bring one thing, just one thing with me? And the Lord said, no, you know, that's not how it works. But finally, after many, many requests, the Lord said, okay, okay, just bring one thing. You can bring one thing. And so happily, the man packed his suitcase full of gold, this gold that he had acquired all of his life. And when he arrived in heaven, the angel said, sorry, um, you can't bring that in here. It's against policy. And, uh, and the man said, but I got permission. I have a note right here from the Lord uh, that I can do this. And the angel said, okay, okay. By the way, what's in there anyway? And he opened the bag, and they looked in, and they said, oh, pavement. <laughs> Perspective. Perspective changed everything. In the Bible, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each Gospel uh, is written to cover the life and the ministry of Jesus. Now, each Gospel writer wrote from a different angle and from a different perspective. And they looked at the character of Jesus from all these different angles. And when we compare the Gospels with one another, we get this overall portrait of Jesus. And so these Gospel writers are unified in intent. They all had the same goal but they were unique in perspective. They're unified in intent, but they were unique in perspective. Now this is our goal with this series in October, that each person that shares has a unique perspective to the word of God. And what creates those angles can be a variety of life experiences. If you were here the last two weeks, you heard from four other people that shared their life experience. Today, um, Cheryl and Jeeva will share with us things in their life that have shaped their life experiences. And these perspectives help us get a better, more clear, more true understanding of who Jesus is. United in intent, unique in perspective. And so one of the most important takeaways of this series is that you would understand and really grab hold of the fact that reading the scripture for yourself is so important. Your perspective, what what God has done in your life, where you've come from, whether you've been serving the Lord for a few weeks, a few years, uh, matters, and God will use that perspective. And so it's really important that you are engaging in the word of God yourself, and God is going to teach you and show you, even through the experiences that you've had in your life. And so I really want to encourage you um, and challenge you this month to read through all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's do this together as a church family. Let's do this together. I'm so excited. Many of you have messaged me. You've emailed me. You've said, I'm reading the Gospels. I'm taking this challenge seriously. If you haven't started yet, there's still time. Okay, so get into the Word. You can listen to it if you'd rather have the audio rather than the reading. But let's read those Gospels together. And as we see different perspectives... We're going to have these epic moments um, that when we dive into the scripture together, we're going to understand it better. Okay? Are you ready for this morning then? Now, I want you to uh, give a little bit of advice. It is a little nerve-wracking to be up here, especially if you're not up here often. And so you need to like laugh, smile, clap at them. Okay? They will preach better. All right? (laughs) If you do that. And so let's do that together. I want to introduce to you um, Cheryl is over here to my right. Cheryl um, grew up right here at Erie First. Um, She accepted Christ here at a young age, at five years old. 
And she knew she wanted to be a teacher also um, from a very young age. She earned her bachelor's in education in English from Houghton College and later a master's in psychology. Um, Cheryl went on to teach for 32 years at Gannon University and opened a private counseling practice for seven years. Um, She met, yes, clap for that's amazing. Thank you. Um, You can also clap for this next part. She met her husband, Carrie, at a church luau right here, Iberi First. Yes, and uh, he has always been a great support to her regarding the calling and and the places that God has called her in her life. Um, In fact, early in their marriage, um, Cheryl ended up traveling back and forth to Springfield, Missouri to earn her Master's of Divinity Equivalency at the Assemblies of God Seminary. And she is currently the chairman of the Academy School Board, and she mentors many young women, including me. And so I'm so excited that she's with us this morning. All right, and to my left, we have Jiva. Say your last name, Jiva. Into the microphone. Kendon. Yes, that's it. I didn't want to say it incorrectly. She's kind of like Prince. It's just Jiva. Everybody knows her. You don't even need to know her last name. Uh, Jiva is originally from India. Uh, She grew up in a Hindu family, so that's a perspective that has been really... uh, influenced her life. Um, She's lived here in Erie for 12 years. She works at Erie Insurance as a software engineer. Um, Jiva became a Christ follower about five years ago, and she describes it this way. "Uh, Jesus came into my life when I was heartbroken, living in sin, felt not worthy of God's love, and had no hope for salvation. Jesus pursued me for nine long years, and Jesus remained faithful even when I was unfaithful. So good. So good. So let's kick it off with this question. I'm going to start with Cheryl. Cheryl, in your life, what are some significant things that have helped shape your perspective as you have read the Word of God? Well, as Nicole said, I've grown up in the church, so there are many significant things that have helped shape my perspective. But I'm going to focus on two, family and then a particular event and experience I went through with my mom early on in my life. Um, First of all, you need to know that I have two families. I have my biological family and I have my church family, and they both played a tremendous role in my life. Uh, My my biological family, I grew up in what would be called an extended home. In other words, in my Italian family and in this home lived my grandparents, my parents, and my two aunts. And all of us, every week, Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday worship service, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, children's things, youth things, and any special services in between, you would find all of us in church. That's how we lived, and I'm very grateful for that. The other thing I'm thankful for is how the women in my life, my mom and my two aunts, poured into it. Every night before I would go to bed when I was young, they would come and they would read me bedtime stories from the Bible. And I would learn about these unbelievable young people, people like Samuel, who at a very young age, when a wise man told him to notice it was the the voice of God that he was hearing, said, here I am, Lord, send me. Or courageous women like Esther, who was brave enough when they were in captivity to help her nation be saved from genocide. Or young faithful men like Daniel or the three brothers. And as my mother used to say, because it was bedtime story, Shadrach, Meshach, into bed we go. So, 
I'm, I'm so grateful for that growing and learning in the word at a young age. I'm also grateful for my grandfather. I could go to him with any verse, with any question about the Bible, and he was able to answer it. He was such a godly man. On top of that, I had the joy of listening to him in the evenings when he was still working and even during the day when he retired, play the organ, play the accordion, play whatever instrument he wanted to pick up because he taught himself how to play them all. And he would sing old hymns and new choruses, even some that he had written. And then my grandmother, she was a woman of open hospitality. Anyone knocked on the door and they were invited in, usually for some type of homemade meal. And to those of you who are too young, I apologize that you never had a chance to eat her homemade pizza because by far one of the best she would have ever had. So my family greatly influenced the way that I grew and learned to see the Bible. My church family also did. I had phenomenal people in my life. I'm looking at one of them. Virginia and John Edney led the youth group when I was growing up. And they just helped build us and teach us and help us grow in the Lord. And we had a pastor when I was a teen, Pastor Herb Hall and his wife Norma, who were ever present for us. They were there to answer questions and make us laugh and just spend time with us. And I learned through all of that and through all the changes I saw in the church that God was faithful and every time a change occurred, he brought us the right person at the right time that we needed, just like today. So, second, I had a very strong mom. Um, she was definitely beyond the generational, stereotypical culture at the time. And she loved me and she believed in me, even despite my failures. When I was 27 and she was 49, she died of breast cancer. And I suppose what people would say today is that I experienced a crisis of faith. Um, I didn't know that. All I knew, I was in tremendous pain, and I was just finding a way to get rid of that pain, and often was picking unhealthy choices, one, unfortunately, of which led me to end up divorced when I was only 30. But what I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that every single day, through every single thing I was going through, God was there with me. Amen. And I knew that he was big enough to deal with the anger that I often expressed, to deal with those questions that I constantly came to him with, just not understanding quite why things were going the way they were going. And I also knew that he would continue that healing process in me as he saw fit, and that eventually he would give me the answers that he knew that I needed. So... I'll just share one particular answer he gave me that I will never forget. I used to pray, even though I knew it, it couldn't happen, that God would bring my mom back to me. And one night I had a dream. And we used to live in, in a duplex. And my mom in that dream was standing in the bedroom in the duplex. She was a very soft-spoken woman. But she was raising her voice. And she was saying to me, why did you bring me back here? I don't want to be here. I'm in this beautiful place with Jesus. Well, needless to say, I woke up and went, okay, I surrender. I get it. I won't even think of that anymore. Isn't God amazing how 
He always comes to us with love. He's always involved in our lives. And sometimes in a blunt way, I would say that dream was blunt, and other ways in a gentle teaching way. I know through his word and through the experiences that he has given me that in the middle of the good, in the middle of the struggles, in the middle of the waiting, sometimes the hardest of it all, that Jesus loves us and the Holy Spirit is there with us every single minute. He's guiding us. He's teaching us. He's healing us. He's filling us. We are never alone. Good. Thank you. Jiva, tell us some of the things that have shaped your perspective on the Word of God. Word of God accomplishes what he desires. Isaiah 55, 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I had tried reading the Bible before I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I couldn't understand the word. But God sent some scriptures through his children to my life, and they really spoke to me every time I needed encouragement. Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of those verses. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This verse spoke to me for nine years before I decided to follow Jesus. It still is a reminder of God's plans for my life, when Holy Spirit leads us to pray word over situations in our life, it will accomplish what God desires. And when Holy Spirit prompts us to share scripture as a word of encouragement, it can have lasting impact in someone's life. And God's word reveals himself to us. I started attending Erie first a year before I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And every time I ask God who, who you really are and is Jesus is truly the only way to, uh, way to you, Pastor Jack would refer to God as the great I am. And in the past, one of the hindrances I had in following Jesus was some of the supernatural experiences I had when I followed other gods. God gave me desire to read the Bible after I started following Jesus. And when I was reading Exodus, I was excited when I finally saw God referring to himself as I am. Then I read about all the plagues God sent to Egypt, and I also read about some of the same plagues which Pharaoh's magicians were able to perform. That's when God showed me how it relates to the supernatural experiences I had in my past. But only the great I am could stop the plagues and give victory to his people. God, living according to God's word renews our mind and it helps us not to sin against him. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The day I decided to follow Jesus, he broke many chains of my life which had held me captive for years. God opened his word to me and living according to God's word has helped me to remain free for last five years. Praise God. When we read the word, we will not understand everything at once, but God will reveal to us what he wants us to know. And Holy Spirit will remind us scriptures we need for a given situation. Fear is something we 
often face, but when we have his word hidden in our heart, Holy Spirit will remind us scriptures like Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's word reveals his promises to us. Lord spoke to me through Isaiah 43 on my water baptism day, and I've held on to this promise, and God has remained faithful. Isaiah 43, 1-2, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When Jesus lived here on earth, word became flesh. As followers of Jesus, in order to know him intimately, we need to know the word. Word of God is the sword of the spirit, and it's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. So in order to use it effectively, we need to know the word. So good. So good. All right, so the epic moment we're going to look at today comes from John 15, 5 through 8. You can look on the screen as I read it. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So in the book of John, there are seven times where Jesus makes I am statements. He says, I am blank. And each statement gives us a glimpse of God's character and what he's like. And so in this particular passage, in this analogy, in this I am statement, Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, we are the branches. Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, we're the branches. And he uses this word remain or abide five times in this short verse. Probably means he wants us to pay attention to it, right? If we say it says it five times. And what he says is, listen, you have to hold to, adhere, stick to, stand by, act in accordance with the vine as a branch. Now, what I find odd about this analogy is in agriculture, I don't know a lot about gardening, but branches don't just try to abide in the vine. They don't have to, they don't have to work on it. They just do. That's how they were created. That's how they exist. They don't, they don't tend to just, you know, wander, stray away. The only way the branch detaches from the vine is if someone or something detaches them. Now, we are strange branches, right? We're branches that forget who we are a lot. We're branches that, that tend to stray away on our own, and we willingly, we unwisely walk away from the, our very life source of Jesus Christ. And so abiding for us, remaining, is a discipline. We are easily deceived into believing that we're the vine, not the branch, Anyone with me? We mix that up a little bit. We mix that up easily. In fact, Satan's original deception for all of humanity is you will be like God. That was, the, that was the deception that he put out there. So that's what we want to be. We want to be vines. We don't want to be branches. We want to bear our own fruit. We want to be in control of our lives. We want to call the shots. We want to decide what we do and what we don't do. And so the scripture says, listen, here's the deal. Apart from that vine, you can't do anything. 
You can't do anything. And that's what the scripture is saying. And so, Jiva, just talk to us a little bit about that word abide or remain in this particular um, translation. What are some things you intentionally do to abide, to continue with the Father? Even though Jesus is son of God, when he lived here on earth, he made sure to spend time with God. And he only did what he saw his father do. And he only spoke what he heard his father speak. So Jesus is our perfect role model to live a life surrendered to God's will. Our right standing with God as his children is completely dependent on the price Jesus paid on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. Every morning, I spend a few minutes remembering the price Jesus paid for me and thank God for choosing me to be his child. This helps me to surrender my life to him daily and have a thankful heart. Mm. Spending time with Father God every day is essential to grow in our relationship with him. For me, this time includes time of praise and worship, reading the word, praying and praying in the spirit. Praise and worship helps me to enter his presence and shift my focus to him and to worship him for who he is and praise him for what he has done. Once I'm in his presence, I spend some quiet time waiting on God to see and hear what is on his heart. God speaks to each of us uniquely. Many times God has shown me visions, healed me, encouraged me, given me prayers for his people, and showed me his heart for nations during these times. The quiet time also helps us to soak in his presence and receive his love. Spirit of the living God is in us 24 bar 7. So being aware of Holy Spirit in us helps us to remember how close God is to us all the time. And we are seated in heavenly places. Following Holy Spirit's leading, leading and being open to Holy Spirit's conviction has helped me to remain in Jesus and stay focused on Jesus and stay connected to Father God. When we live by Holy Spirit's leading, fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our lives. Galatians 5, 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires and passions. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, envying each other. Fruit of the Spirit is a check which I use for myself. When I realize that it's missing in my actions, I take it to Father God in prayer and ask Him to transform my heart. Staying connected to God's family and loving the body of Christ helps us to remain in him. John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Loving like Jesus loves is a sacrificial love. It definitely involves forgiveness and accepting that we are all work in progress in Father's hands. It gives us an opportunity to extend the grace God has freely given us and love when it's hard to love. I'm grateful for many of you from Erifa's family who have loved me with God's love and discipled me in my journey with Jesus. Thank you all. Serving... Serving has helped me to remain connected to Father's heart. Serving God requires us to follow Holy Spirit's leading 
And also, we cannot do anything God asks us to do without his help. But when we remain in him and he will empower us through the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Good. So good. So how, how can you honestly evaluate uh, the level to which you're abiding in Jesus. You might say here today, I'm doing good, I'm doing pretty good. How, how do I know if I'm abiding in him? Well, I think one way uh, just to simply evaluate this or examine this is to see how do you interact with God in secret? Okay, so if someone were to follow you around in your home, at your workplace, in your car, when you're by yourself, with your children, um, in the late hours of the weekend or when you're on the internet, would they say you were a Christ follower? Would they say you were a Christ follower? Would your life, when no one is watching, testify to abiding in Christ? What's your prayer life like? Are you always asking for things from God, or are you giving him advice about how things should work out? Are, are you suggesting possibilities? In John 15, it says that there are blessings when we remain, when we abide, and there are blessings when we remember we are the branch and not the vine. And the primary blessing is fruitfulness. I love what Jiva said. The primary blessing is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are the things that your life is showing, and that's the way that you're interacting, and that's happening in secret and also on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. That's happening all week long when you're remaining. So I want to um, take a closer look at one verse today uh, that says, it was in that bit that we read, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, sometimes this particular verse can create questions for followers of Jesus. If you just pluck it out, uh, put it on your Facebook page on its own, uh, it can make us think that when we pray, we can ask for whatever we wish, and it will be done. Uh, kind of like God's a genie in a bottle, or Jesus is the union president, or something like that. But we know that that's not what this means, and that the verses surrounding this really give us context. So I'm going to ask the master of divinity angle over here. Uh, <laughs> how can we process verse 7? Um, what When it says, ask whatever you wish will be done for you, uh, when our prayers aren't answered, Cheryl, what happens? How do we look at that from that perspective? Yes, that's, that promise is throughout the Bible. There are so many verses that say, ask and, and you will, shall receive. And yet, I know that all of us sitting here may be saying, yeah, but I prayed and I, have, I don't feel like I've had my prayers necessarily answered the way I prayed. So I'm going to look at it from two ways, from a personal perspective, where I've been in that situation, like um, I'm waiting for the answer that I'm not getting, and from the biblical perspective. As I mentioned before, when my mom had cancer and was not healed, I struggled a great deal with that. My questions would be, why, Lord? You could have taken anyone else home. I need her. Why did you take her? Why did you not heal her? And it was probably just in this past year that I felt like God showed me an answer I had never really heard or thought about before. My mom was in tremendous physical pain from the cancer, without a doubt. And she was also dealing with a lot of emotional pain because of unfaithfulness that exist, had existed in her marriage for a very long, long time. And I could almost hear God's audible voice say to me, 
My child, I did answer. I blessed her with the ultimate healing. She's with me. She's no longer in any pain. She has no more suffering. She's filled with unending joy and peace. And no, it still was hard for me to accept. I still miss her selfishly. I still want her back. But you know what? She's where she belongs. And she isn't miserable and feeling the pain. She's happy and she is healed. She's right where God wants her, home with him. So personally, that's had such a huge impact to make me think, truly, what is the answer that I need? And then secondly, the biblical perspective. We often miss, as Pastor Nicole said, verses that come before that promise. In this case, if you go back to John, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if we have Jesus' heart, something that Jiva have been talking about, if we're able to feel that love, that compassion, that grace that he has, the, the discipline and the obedience that he showed while he worked on earth, and that willingness to serve and to sacrifice, to sacrifice our self-focus, our self-need, to die daily, as Paul wrote, then we will ask according to the will of God, and our prayers indeed will be answered. You know, we tend, as Pastor Nicole said, I fight this a lot. I, I, I want to be the vine. I, I, I know what's best. Hear what I'm saying. And when we do that, we put our huge God, our creator, our father, our savior, the great I am, the, the word, the truth, we box him into this neat little formula that we think helps us understand, and then we think we know what's best. And we can just move on from there. But the fact is, he is, Jesus is the vine, the life-giving vine. We're the branches that need pruned, thus the gardener who takes care of us. He alone knows our past, he knows our present, he knows our future, and he alone knows the answers to our prayers that are best for each and every one of our lives. Thank you. Okay, I want to just close with talking about one last verse in this um, particular passage, and it's John 15, 6. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. Now, what this is saying is that there will be branches who don't bear fruit. And if you are not producing fruit, then you are not connected, which means you don't have salvation. Now, salvation is this moment when you decide to be part of the vine, when you decide to, to be grafted in to the vine as a Christ follower. It's a moment where you confess your sin, where you confess that you've offended God, that you haven't lived your life in a perfect way. You've done things that have offended God, and you confess that even in your greatest strength, you still fall short. It's a moment that you declare that, that you believe that Jesus died on a cross for you, that his blood was shed, and that he covered your sin. And even though that you deserve judgment and you don't deserve heaven, 
that Jesus bore your sin, took your shame, and because of him, because of him, you can go to heaven with God forever. Now, you may have been coming to church for a very long time and you never had that moment because just coming to church doesn't make you connected to the vine. Just listening to worship music doesn't get you connected to the vine. Just because your grandma prays a lot doesn't connect you to the vine. This is a decision you have to make. So in this moment of salvation where you confess, I fall short, but Jesus Christ never fails. Jesus Christ never fails. I love this excitement over here. Y'all should catch it a little bit. He bridges that gap for us. That's what connects you with the vine, okay? So today, before we leave, I want to just really ask you a really important question that I want you to to think about in your own life and in your own heart is that are you connected to the vine? Because the answer that you give will be the biggest question of your life. It'll be the thing that you need to determine and to settle And if you are not, and you want to accept Christ into your life and abide and remain in him, in just a minute, I'm going to tell everyone to go home and and watch football and get pizza. But before you go, I want you to visit one of these prayer tables with our teams here. They would love to just talk to you. They'd love to just explain that to you. Jesus is very clear what happens to the branches that don't remain in him. This isn't a secret. He's not trying to surprise us. When we get to the end of our life, we won't be able to say, I didn't know. He's telling us right here what he wants is for each of us to make a personal decision to follow him, to be grafted into his family, and to live connected to the vine. That's what he wants for your life. And so if that's a decision you've never made, I want to just urge you, and if we had more time, Cheryl and Jeeva would urge you in the same direction, because what they have learned in their life and their perspective in following Jesus is that there's no other way than abiding in him. So would you stand? I want to pray for you. Uh, But I really want to urge you, if you haven't made that decision, just come down and talk to one of our prayer teams before you leave. Father God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you so much for the blessings and the way that you have um, been faithful to so many of us this morning. And we just pray right now that we could understand, Father God, how to be connected to you. God, that you would show us the ways that we are being stubborn and selfish and trying to, to kick ourselves out from your, um, your, your covering, God, when we're trying to be the vine, Lord, instead of the branch. Lord, would you show us where in our life that's happening? And we want to repent and turn to you and completely surrender to you, Father God. We know that the fruitfulness depends on it. And God, we want to be fruitful. We want to be full of all the things that you desire for us. We want our life to be, to be full of hope and purpose, God. I pray for those in this room that have not made the decision to follow you and to be connected to the vine. And I pray today, even right now, God, that they would cross over that step of faith, Lord, by just trusting that we fall short. We'll never make it on our own. But God, you have made a way. You have bridged the gap. And Jesus, you never fail. And so, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We love you. I thank you so much for these perspectives. I thank you for the way you've worked in the lives of generations. And God, we're trusting you for more and more and more. And it's in your name I pray, amen.